0: You're listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. For more information, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk. Good morning, everyone. Lovely to be with you. If you've got a Bible, can I encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 9, which is on page 974. So that's Matthew chapter 9. And you'll find it on page 974. That's going to be our main text that we'll uh, we'll get to in a bit. But there's going to be a lengthy preamble before we get there. Um, so let's not beat round the bush. Let's not mince our words. Let's not go round the houses. Speaking about Jesus is hard. Always. We often want to talk about Anything but Jesus. We talk about the weather, sports scores, children, politics, work, Netflix shows, even important questions like who is the best James Bond? Which obviously is the scout Sir Daniel Craig. Now we wouldn't, we shouldn't be surprised by any of this because we face opposition on two fronts. Firstly, as we heard in the first Sermon on Evangelism a couple of weeks back, in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, we heard that the God of this world has blinded the mind of unbelievers. And we know this to be true because the great lengths people go to, to avoid thinking, speaking or believing in Jesus So things people say like, Jesus wasn't a real person, Jesus isn't God, Jesus isn't relevant, etc., etc. And they are all things that we believe too until someone preached Christ to us and God opened our blind eyes. We are in a spiritual battle against Satan every time we go to speak about Jesus. Secondly, we face opposition from our flesh. Now, when the Bible talks about flesh, it's not talking about the largest organ of the body, our skin. Instead, when the Bible talks about flesh, it's talking about the indwelling, the remaining sin that is in us as believers. So as Paul famously said in Romans 7, he said, For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do, this is what I do. Now if you've been a Christian for five minutes and you've desired to talk about Jesus but not been able to, now you know why. You and I are in a spiritual battle against Satan and we're in a spiritual battle against ourselves. And the main tactic that the opposition uses uh, to stop us talking about Jesus is fear. Is fear. We fear that talking about Jesus is going to cause some kind of loss. We might lose uh, face with someone. We might lose respect from a person as they think, you don't really believe that, do you? We might lose on a promotion. We might lose a friend. The fear of losing out means that we don't talk about Jesus. And again, I just want to be straight and honest with you this morning. There's been many times when I've not spoken about Jesus because of fear. The desire has been there, but the fear has led to mundane topics of conversation rather than talking about the magnificence of Jesus Christ. And you know what happens with this fear? The fear leads to guilt we feel guilty that we've not spoken to that person about Jesus maybe the fun day maybe in time you spent with somebody you prayed for an opportunity to talk about Jesus that opportunity came and <gasps> you didn't do it because fear got a grip of it, of you and this guilt this guilt that we feel that comes from fear instead of being a motivation and pushing us to talk about Jesus it actually becomes a weight That produces more fear the next time we go to talk about Jesus. And what happens is we end up getting in this perpetual cycle of fear and guilt, fear and guilt, fear and guilt. Which our opponents use against us all the time. So we don't talk about Jesus. Now what I want to do this morning is try and break this cycle of fear and guilt. Because I want to answer the question, why should we do evangelism? Why should we do evangelism? And my prayer is that our evangelism will be fuelled by three glorious truths that will cause the desire of our hearts to preach Christ to match the words of our mouth. And these three glorious truths are having one, a compassion like Christ, two, a confidence in Christ, and three, a courage From Christ. So hopefully you'll see that there's a a link in all of those things. Christ. So let's do uh, number one compassion like Christ. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. And again, it's on page 974. I'm going to pray before we read that. Father God, we want to confess that there's been many times where we've had opportunities to talk about you, but because of fear, we haven't spoken. And we know that that fear produces guilt, and guilt doesn't help us in evangelism. So I pray this morning that you would help put our eyes on Christ, and that through him, we would speak of him. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So compassion like Christ. Let's read verses 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. Where I live now, Reddish, is very unlike where I used to live, Nutford. They're very different places. Nutford is largely affluent, situated in leafy Cheshire, and has charity shop clothes which are better than most people's wardrobes. Reddish is less affluent, situated industrial stockport, and has a lot of mills. Yet both places have one huge and heartbreaking similarity, and it's this. Both places are filled with people who are harassed and helpless. If Jesus walked around Reddish, if he walked around Nutford, he would have compassion on the people. Now this word compassion, it's an odd one in English as it translates to be moved to one's bowels. Now before we think this is all too weird, the bowels were thought of as the very, excuse the pun, bottom of a person's emotions. Today we say, I love you to the moon and back. You've heard that expression, I mean, I love you to the moon and back. Which to a first century person living in Jesus' time would have been as strange as thinking, as loving someone from your very bottom. But the point is this. Jesus has a great love. His love comes from the very core of who he is. He has a love and pity for people. So what does it mean though to be harassed and helpless? Well we're told aren't we? There's a little simile. I don't think I'm being clever there. I asked an English teacher what this was. He said it was a simile. So he says to be harassed and helpless is to be like a sheep without a shepherd. And we'll think about that in more detail in a minute. But I just wanted to share one of my favourite sheep stories. Instead, you probably heard this before. There's about the police officer who sees a, a man driving a car. And in the car is a man and sat next to him is a sheep. And the police officer pulls him over and he says, Excuse me, you need to take that sheep to the petting zoo. One week later, the police officer sees the same man in the same, with the same sheep, but this time they're wearing sunglasses. He pulls him over and he says, excuse me, sir, I told you to take that sheep to the petting zoo. The man said, we did. We had a great time. We're going to the beach today. (laughs) Now, there's a link. It's tenuous, but there's a link. Um, Without a shepherd, sheep are prone to wandering off by themselves. And there's a reason for this. Naturally, sheep are wired to follow other sheep. You see, sheep will get harassed, and the word harassed here means that they'll face all kinds of trouble. Because literally sheep follow other sheep. And humans are exactly the same too. Think about the last time or a time when you were harassed, when you found yourself in trouble. Was it because of your own choices or was it because you followed the sheep around you? You see, we don't like to admit this, but actually what we believe, what we say, how we act, it's often influenced by the others around us more than we want to admit. It's one of the reasons that parents are so keen to surround their children with other well-behaved children, because they know that a lot of behavior is caught and not taught. So if little Johnny is hanging out with the kid who sets fire to stuff and vapes, then there's a strong chance that little Johnny is going to be taking your matches and looking like a little dragon every time he takes a puff and blows out. That was meant to be a joke, by the way. It just You're looking at me blankly. Does this kid smoke? Okay, we'll move on. Secondly, sheep without a shepherd are helpless. Sheep utterly depend on the shepherd for food and water, for protection from predators and parasites. And for things like shearing and basic survival. So when Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because he knew they were helpless without him. So the crowd were helpless because they didn't have him. Now, listen, admitting you're helpless is very difficult to do. Especially because we have sayings, don't we, that go like, if you want to get on in life, no one's going to help you, you've got to help yourself. Even things like this creep into church. Some people believe that in one of the Proverbs, it says that God helps those who help themselves. Okay, that's not in the Bible, by the way, because obviously you're all struggling a bit this morning. However, for the people of Reddish, for the people of Nutford, for all of us here today, helpless is what they and what we are. You see, no amount of money or morality... No amount of education or entitlement, enlightenment rather, no amount of hard work or hardship can make us right with God. Our sheep-like tendency to go off with the rest of the flock and ignore God has landed us all in a lot of trouble. We all face God's righteous wrath against our rejection of him. And the Bible is quite clear. Jesus himself talks about this more than anyone else. Because of our sin, we face an eternity separate from God in hell. And friends and people at home, we are helpless to change this. The good news for us is that we have a good shepherd a good shepherd who loves us so much that he would lay down his life for his wandering sheep. So Whoever sees the trouble they are in and how helpless they are to change it can turn to the good shepherd today and trust that his death makes us right with God through the forgiveness of our sin. So what does it mean for us as Christians here today? Well, as Christians, the compassion Jesus has shown us, it becomes the fuel for our own evangelism. You see, Jesus was moved to his very depths to love the harassed and helpless. And when we remember how harassed and helpless we were and what Jesus did for us, then we too will be moved to our very depths to help those who are helpless and harassed around us. Friends, compassion like Christ leads to workers going to the harvest field. Compassion like Christ leads to workers going to the harvest field. Let's think to to the second point. Uh, Why should we do evangelism our confidence in Christ? If you've got your Bibles open, please do turn to page 1,128. We're going to look at Romans chapter 1 very briefly. 1, 1, 2, 8. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to 17. This is Paul writing to the church in Romans. Very famous verses. Paul writes, verse 16... One, ah, uh, sorry, one, one, two, eight. Did I say one, eight? I did, didn't I? One, one, two, eight. Romans chapter one. I can't read me on writing. Okay. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So Paul's writing to Christians in Rome. Christianity in Rome, it lacked size and it lacked influence in the corridors of power. So many of these Christians were ashamed to talk about Jesus. Does that sound familiar? Paul gives us a reason here why he's not ashamed of the gospel. Now again, I don't want to be patronising the gospel is the message of Jesus dying for our sins and raising back to life. So he's not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel message has power. He goes on to say that it's so powerful that it brings salvation to everyone who would believe. Do you believe that? Do you believe really that the gospel is powerful? That the gospel can save anyone who believes? Again, you might think, why on earth have we employed this guy? I struggle with this. My flesh causes me to doubt the power of the gospel, especially with people whose lives seem too chaotic or or whose objections are too hostile. Sometimes I think, why even bother talking to them about Jesus? Because God cannot and will not save them. What's happening at these times? I've lost confidence in the gospel. I've lost confidence in the power of the gospel. I need to be reminded of what this word power actually means. And in English, it's where we get the word dynamite from. So what Paul is saying here is the gospel is dynamite. Dynamite is powerful stuff. It's so powerful. Let me just tell you a little story about dynamite. A young man wanted to invite his girlfriend over to his house, but he was embarrassed because they lived on a farm and the only toilet he had was an outdoor one, like a flimsy one. And for weeks and months he'd been begging his dad, please dad, can you pull that toilet down and can we have an indoor toilet? But his dad, no, 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 we're sticking with the outdoor toilet. So one night, the lad got a load of dynamite, put it behind a toilet, blew it to smithereens. The next morning at breakfast, his father asked him, was it you who destroyed the toilet? And at the same time, reminds him of the story of George Washington and the cherry tree. Yes, dad, said the boy. It was me. I'm glad you're so honest, said the father. And as a punishment, you have to start digging the pit for a new one immediately. But Dad, protested the boy. George Washington admitted, when he admitted he cut down a tree, his father didn't punish him. Yes, you're right, said the father. But George's dad wasn't in a cherry tree when he cut it down. (laughs) Now the gospel is powerful, Because it is the only news that makes us right with God. We're told in verse 17, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Now as we heard earlier, we're harassed and helpless when it comes to making ourselves right with God. Other worldviews and other religions, they would say, here's the advice, here's the rules you have to follow to sort yourself out. However, the gospel is about the righteousness of God being revealed through the person, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. You see, Jesus Christ, when he lived on earth, he lived the only perfect righteous life in all of human history. When Jesus is brutally murdered on the cross, an amazing transaction occurs. All our unrighteousness is put on Jesus. And by faith, all his righteousness is placed on us. So friends, instead of trying to follow a a set of rules or some good advice, we are told to put our faith in the righteous one who makes us right with God. Now if your flesh is still telling you it doesn't work, it doesn't work, then friends, look around you today. The gospel's power is evident in this room this morning. Amen? Amen. The people around you should give you confidence in Christ's power to save people. And if this isn't enough, this hundred or so people gathered here, think about the two billion people living on this planet today who say that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. That's where our confidence is. So why should we do evangelism? Because the gospel is powerful and the gospel saves people's lives. It saved me and praise God, it saved you. But can I just take a moment just to talk to someone in this room, maybe someone at home who who isn't quite sure yet about this. Maybe you still live by the mantra which is, what I need to do is maybe maybe find the right person or earn a bit more money or or try and be a little bit better or work a little bit harder and then things will be good. Then I'll have peace. Then I'll have joy. Then I'll have purpose. Friends, it never works. It never works. We are just exhausted in trying to sort ourselves out. It never works because you and I are helpless to resolve our biggest problem, and that is our separation from God. You are here and here this morning, online or in person, about Jesus, the one who can help. I would urge you this very moment to surrender your life to Christ, to put your faith in the righteous one. The one who has compassion on you. The one who loves you more than anyone else ever will. Come and put your faith in the one who was perfectly right and makes you right with God. You see friends, confidence in Christ leads to the power of God saving all who believe. Confidence in Christ leads to the power of God saving all who would believe. Now, you'll be thankful to know we're on our third point. We're making good time. Uh, Flick back with me to Matthew chapter 8. Just going to land at some very famous um, verses. Lou mentioned them just before. Matthew 28 on page 1001. Picking up in verses 18 to 20. And we're going to be thinking about courage from Christ. So Matthew 28 verses 18 to 20. Page 1001. Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, these are go-to verses when it comes to evangelism. There's so much to cover, but I just want to focus on the two A words in this passage, authority and always. You see, one of the ways our flesh puts us off evangelism is by telling us there's no way God can use someone like me. I don't know what to say. My personality is too introverted. I'm not gifted the right way. Whatever it is, we believe that God cannot use someone like you and me. Friends, you are exactly right. God does not want you to do this by yourself in your own strength. God wants to do evangelism through you and with you. That's what this passage is telling us. He wants to do evangelism through you and with you. What do I mean? Well, Jesus starts these famous verses with an astonishing truth. Um, Jamie talked about it in Daniel 7 when he looked at the ascension and that is this all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus Christ it says in our passage doesn't it all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me now notice what word is next therefore okay, that means that because of this you make disciples now Jesus at that point could have said anything for us to do, and we would be able to do it. Why? Because all His authority is working through us when we go to make disciples. We need to stop thinking ourselves as supply teachers. You know what supply teachers are like. Whenever you had a supply teacher in school, it was a cause for celebration. Yes, the supply teachers in, woohoo! Here we go, paper airplanes. Ch-ch-ch. I know spit things, and you probably didn't do that, you nice people, but uh, Jamie did, he was the champion, he told me. Okay, uh, anyway, we, we need to stop being like, the supply teacher carried no authority, and that's why the kids went mad. And a supply teacher is the hardest job in teaching. And we think evangelism is the hardest job in the world because we have no authority, But our courage for evangelism comes from knowing we have the highest authority working through us. So whatever rowdy pupil or person we meet, we know they are no match for King Jesus. And furthermore, when we get to the last line in these verses, we see something that's simply breathtaking. Jesus is always going to be with us. So as Christians, we believe God is sovereign in the places he puts us, in the people we meet. God doesn't do random. So whatever you are, and whoever you're with, God has placed you there so you would talk about Jesus. Now, he knows that at that point, your flesh is going to be screaming to you, I cannot do it, I cannot do it, I cannot do it. So what does God do? He gives us a massive reassurance and says... Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. It's a little bit like Manchester United having Ronaldo. Now, I'm not saying Ronaldo is the Messiah. I'm just saying it's like this, okay? Now, I think I'm a United supporter. Before Ronaldo signed, I would have said a good season for Man United would be finishing in the top four and getting a trophy. I think we'd we'd probably reluctantly say that City, Chelsea, maybe Liverpool Liverpool were slightly better than United. Slightly. However, there's now, since Ronaldo's come, all the United supporters are like, we're going to win everything. We're going to win the league, the European Cup, the FA Cup, Britain's got talent. We're going to win absolutely everything. Why? Because of Ronaldo joining the team. Friends, our courage in evangelism comes from who is with us. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of the universe is with us. Beat that, Ronaldo. Why should we do evangelism? Because Jesus' authority is working through us and Jesus' presence is continually with us. You see, courage from Christ leads to making disciples courage from Christ leads to making disciples now in conclusion often in evangelism people want a silver bullet they want a 100% proof sentence starter or comment that works in every situation with any person it doesn't exist often people want to do evangelism but Satan and the flesh tell us we can't do it often we don't do evangelism Because we don't want to. It's too time consuming. It takes too much effort. And it's often really discouraging. And I get all that. If we're going to be a church that prioritises evangelism. It's not going to come through changing behaviours or habits. Although they can be useful at times. No, the way that we're going to prioritise evangelism. Is if our beliefs are right. These truths will be the fuel for long-term, hard-fought, joy-filled evangelism. Compassion like Christ leads to workers in the harvest. Confidence in Christ leads to the power of God saving those who believe. And courage from Christ leads to us making disciples of all nations. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Father, he is the one we want to speak about and he is the one who we need to turn to for help. His compassion, the gospel confidence we have in the message and the courage we have that no one here is with us. Help us, we pray. And Father, may we be excited for next week as we think about what evangelism looks like at ECC and we get a little bit more practical. I pray, Father, you'd give us a great hunger for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You have been listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. To find out more about us, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk.